0: A'udhu billahi minash-shaytanir-rajeem bismillahir-rahmanir-rahim alhamdulillahir-rabbil-alamin wa sallallahu tabarak wa ta'ala wa sallama ala sayyidina Muhammad sayyidina wa sanadina wa habibina wa shafii'ina wa mawlana sallallahu alayhi wa ala alihi wa ashabihi wa azwajihi wa dhurriyatihi wa ahli baitihi wa man tabi'ahum bi ihsanin ilayhim ad-dini wa bad. would Alhamdulillah by Allah's father we've reached this mubarak uh, 17th night of Ramadan the days uh, and the nights are passing us by. And the one who wants to cash in their golden ticket, this is the chance because a time will come soon where it may not be worth a whole lot uh, anymore uh, except for, for those who, who cashed it in. Allah Ta'ala make us from the Utaqa of this Mubarak night. Amin. I wanted to mention uh, that uh, one brother, Omar uh, bin Khalil, uh, reached out to me very politely and with a lot of adab. And he uh, pointed out to me that the name of the book is not Tazkira Mashaikhe but Tariqhe Mashaikhe Chisht. And uh, this is uh, a quirk of my own bad memory and also a testament to the fact that uh, not I'm not proud of it, but my uh, skills of reading the Urdu books directly in Urdu are very lacking. Uh, alhamdulillah, mashallah, by Allah's favor, I'm conversational in Urdu, and if I have to read a passage, I can read a passage. But sadly, because uh, uh, I don't have the habit of reading uh, the books of Urdu, I prefer to just read them through translations and then decipher those parts that uh, uh, seem like they may not have been translated properly. Oftentimes, uh, translations from the Persianate uh, culture, Urdu, Turkish, uh, Uzbek, etc., they require uh, somebody who not only knows that language, but then also knows Persian, also knows Arabic, also read books uh, from the madrasa syllabus, etc. Because not all of them are just straightforward linguistical uh, uh, linguistical expressions, um, but uh, and so that's usually enough. Uh, somehow or another, this mistake that I remembered incorrectly in my head. Uh, has been slipping uh, past the goalie and so I apologize to the listener and uh, I'm happy to take the correction as I ha- am happy to take the correction whenever it's given and it's a relief may Allah ta'ala uh, reward this brother and uh, keep him happy and inshallah maybe you guys find somebody uh, who you know to listen to their bayan who's a little bit uh, less prone to slipping up so we continue for those who are still here uh, we continue uh, in this Mubarak night with the uh, seerah of Sayyidina Umar ibn, ibn al-Khattab al-Faruq radhiallahu ta'ala anhu. Hazrat Shaykh zakaria rahimahullah ta'ala uh, writes, After the passing of Sayyidina Abu Bakr siddiq may Allah be pleased with him. The new Khalifa, uh, uh, Sayyidina Umar anhu, uh, assumed the reins of the Caliphate by uh, appointment of his pred- predecessor. Uh, the reins of both the worldly and spiritual leadership of the Ummah came to his hands. His appointment as the Khalifa is indeed a very interesting episode. When Abu Bakr's anhu's illness took a turn for the worst, and his passing seemed imminent, he summoned uh, uh, Sayyidina Ali, عنه, Sayyidina Uthman, عنه, and some of the muhajirin and some of the ansar. And he addressed them thus. You are observing my deteriorating condition. It has therefore become necessary to appoint somebody to take care of your affairs after me. If you wish, you may by mutual consultation nominate a man, or if you wish, I shall select a man. They requested him to appoint a successor. So he said, if you want, you can choose someone yourselves by mutual consultation, or if you want, I'll choose someone for you. They requested him to appoint a successor. Said Abu Bakr Siddiq radiallahu anhu then instructed Sayyidina Uthman radiallahu to prepare a document in which Umar was appointed the Khalifa. Sayyidina Umar radiallahu said, I cannot bear this responsibility. Sayyidina Abu Bakr Siddiq radiallahu said, bring me my sword. He has disobeyed the order of uh, uh, the Khalifa, of the Messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wa He then severely remanded Sayyidina Umar عنه, who was compelled to accept the caliphate ag- against his own wishes. Soon thereafter, uh, Sayyidina Talha entered and objected to this appointment. After that, Abu Bakr Siddiq said, By Allah, Umar is the best man for you, and you are the worst for him. Again, you see the the solidness of Sayyidina Abu Bakr Siddiq at a time when uh, other people may waver, and at a time there may be ambiguity, and at, at a time that, that that lack of surety uh, may open the way for shaitan to come in. Look, it's good to doubt yourself uh, and not think of yourself as invincible. It's good to second-guess yourself and to go over your possibility of making mistakes so that you don't make more mistakes or you don't get yourself into something haphazardly. However, once you've made a decision and you're sure of it, uh, and a decision has been made, uh, you're not to waver therein. And this is something very important, especially with regards to leadership. In Islam, the coveting of leadership is haram and it's a major sin. And I don't know for whatever reason the class of people we belong to uh, in the United States or the class of people who seem to be uh, uh, in control of many of the institutions of Islam in this United States, of which I would say that we, I belong to, my father belongs to, etc. For whatever reason, uh, they're the people who've been fed this line that you know, you were born to be a leader. Maybe somehow, from the caste system, we're like the Brahmins or the pundits of of Islam, and we should uh, put ourselves forward all the time. And everybody else is, you know, born to serve us. And like the best of us is going to become leaders, and we ha- we should like work toward leadership as a goal. And uh, many people, this assumption is so deeply ingrained. If you ask them, they would say, "Well, no, I, that's not how I am." But it really is how you are. Ilhaman shah Allah. Ilhaman shah Allah. We have. Uh, uh, we have everybody wants to be a leader. Nobody wants to be a follower. I remember when discussing this in Islamic school, uh, uh, which is a bastion of this socioeconomic class in America. Uh, I remember when discussing in in Islamic school that coveting leadership, desiring leadership, always putting yourself forward for leadership is a a sin in in the way that hatred is a sin or in the way that jealousy is a sin or in the way that arrogance is a sin. People, you know, the kids, they, they, they freak out, you know, they, they completely like, well, somebody, you know, has to do it. And my intention is to help. My intention is to help. I said, look, if your intention is to help, that's a good thing. And you should keep that intention to help. But actually wanting to be leader is something different than that. If your intention is to help, then you should have inside your heart. My intention is to help any way I can. Um, Part of that, in t- part of the way that that's going to happen, and the majority of the way that's going to happen is through service, through obedience. That when we get together, we make a mashra as a group. W- you know, we make a decision as a group. Then I will abide by whatever decision is made, and I will work and I will follow instructions. A very rare and exceptional condition will be when that process, that mashra process, without you coveting it and without you putting yourself forward for it, when that process yields a result whereby you become a leader, then in that case as an exception, uh, uh, where in that case as an exception, when you become the leader, you also should not second guess it. Why? Because in that case, that is when you are going to help uh, the ummah the most by being a leader. Until then, if until all the days of your life, if the best way to help the ummah is to sweep the floors and clean the bathrooms and take out the garbage and doing these ty- types of things, if these are the best way you're going to help the ummah, then alhamdulillah, as long as your nia is to help, then you should accept that. But if your niyah is to be leader, what ends up happening? Our masajids are choked with people like this. Our countries are choked with people like this. Every association, our nonprofits are choked with people like this. People who covet leadership, who covet money, who covet being put forward to the point where we get like, you know, from the time people are choked, like, like kids, like MSA kids are like, how come this guy gets to talk and I don't get to talk? The sisters are like, how come the guys get to give a khutbah and I don't get to give the khutbah? They don't care about the ritual or fiqh issue. They're like, okay, well, the brothers, we can have some boy stand up in front and like lead the salat. But I want to give the bayan. How come they get to be on the mic, we don't get to be on the mic? This is a sickness. If the boys are coveting the mic, it's a sickness for them. And if the girls are coveting the mic, it's a sickness for them as well. It's a completely skewed way of, of looking at things. It's a completely skewed way of looking at things. So what I meant by, this is the strength of Sayyidina Abu Bakr Siddiq. The Sahaba, رضي anhum were people of tawadur. They were people of humility to the point where Allah Ta'ala raised them and raised their honor and raised their rank. And in the moment where Sayyidina Abu Bakr Siddiq anhu, he appointed Omar radiallahu anhu to be the Khalifa, his gut instinct, his default reaction was to say, no, I'm not worthy of leadership, I shouldn't be leader. And in that moment, and that's a good instinct in general, that's a good default to be at. But as an exception, that moment wasn't the moment for it. So Sayyidina Abu Bakr radiallahu anhu, in one sentence, he basically, he's, he, he was explaining so many realities to Umar عنه, in that one sentence of bring me my sword which is what the point of service is that when we get together and we decide something Allah ta'ala describes the affair of the believers what amruhum shura that their affair is consultation mutual consultation between them that once that mutual consulta- consultation happened and a process was agreed upon and that process was executed and the result of the process was Umar anhu without him coming forward and putting himself forward for it once that process is done, to question it is just as bad as you saying, I wanted to be leader, don't pick him. And so there are two examples of people who question the process and, uh, and who wanted to buck the process after it's happened. And Sayyidina, Umar Sayyidina Abu Bakr, anhu, basically, even despite his weakness and his sickness and his illness at that time, he didn't show any sort of mental or any spiritual weakness or second-guessing or wavering or ambiguity Rather, he stood firm and the Ummah was firm because of it and the Ummah benefited from that decision. The reign of Sayyidina Umar عنه, has many gifts that it gave to the Ummah, more than can be counted. We came back from the Salat tarawih. Um, that's one of the great gifts of it, the order and the nazm of the Salat al-Taraweeh, which was instituted by the Messenger of Allah وسلم, was given to us by Sayyidina Umar If it wasn't for tarawih, you know, imagine what would happen to the in- institution of the hifz and the memorization of the Qur'an. Any hafiz can tell you about intricate connection between tarawih and between keeping the Qur'an memorized. And it's very interesting. Heterodox groups, they all speak crap about Sayyidina Umar and the Khulafa Rashidun, and they hate them. Um, and they don't pray Taraweeh, and you will not find a hafiz amongst them. You will not find one hafiz amongst them for this reason. People claim their hafaz. MashaAllah, even people who claim the Ahl Sunnah wal Jama'ah, more than half the people who say they're hafaz. If the Definition of a hafiz, someone who actually can recite the entire Qur'an by memory, if asked, then they, they don't fit that uh, that definition. But still you will find so many hufaz of the Qur'an amongst thee, ahlus sunnah, you won't find them amongst other people. This is just one gift of the many gifts that Allah Ta'ala gave this ummah through thee reign of Sayyidina Umar, and it's a good deed from the good deeds of Sayyidina Abu Bakr, Siddiq and you see the benefit of his standing firm and keeping resolve at a time when, uh, when, when people default to wavering. Just like being stubborn and obstinate at a time that you should be open-minded is a bad thing, just like that on the flip side, at the time you need to show resolve, wavering is, is not a good thing. He then proceeded severely to rebuke Sayyidina Talha and expelled him. He ordered Sayyidina Uthman عنه, to write as follows. This directive is being written by Abu Bakr, the khalifa of the Messenger of Allah, the, the vicegerent of the Messenger of Allah وسلم, at the juncture of his departure from earth and the commencement of his uh, journey to the hereafter. I appoint after me for you Umar ibn al-Khattab as khalifa. If he remains pious and just then this is exactly what I'm convinced of regarding him. If he changes, then I have to say I lack knowledge of the unseen. In my opinion, I have done the best for you by this appointment. The burden of a sin is on the one who commits it. And then he uh, cited the following ayah, and soon the transgressors will know which direction, which direction to which they're turning. Hazrat Shaykh Zakaria says, his name is Omar, and his title is, title is Al-Faruq, the one who is uh, who shows the, the, the difference, the criterion between uh, um, what's good and what's evil. His other lesser known title is Abu Hafs. Both of these titles were conferred upon him by Rasulullah ﷺ. His genealogical tree is as follows. Umar, the son of Khattab, the son of Nufail, the son of Abdul Uzza, the son of Riyah, the son of Abdullah, the son of Qirt, the son of Razah, the son of Adi, the son of Ka'b, the son of Lu'ay, the son of Ghalib, Al-Qurshi, Al-Adawi. His lineage links up with Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa with Ka'b bin Lu'ay. Sayyidina Umar ta'ala, who was born 13 years after the event of the elephant described in Surat al he embraced Islam at the age of 27. Uh, before him, 40 men and 11 women had already entered into the fold of Islam. His acceptance of Islam. His acceptance of Islam is a wonderful episode. One day at a meeting of the Kuffar, the question arose, who will kill Muhammad? Billah, Umar, radiallahu anhu, volunteered to execute this task. He picked up his sword and set off. Along the way, he met Saad bin Abi Waqas, who asked, Omar, where are you off to? Umar uh, uh, replied to slay Muhammad ﷺ. Uh, Sa'ad, uh, Banu Hashim, Banu Zuhra, and Banu Abdul Manaf will kill you in vengeance if you do this. Enraged by this statement, Umar remarked, it appears that you too have become a renegade, meaning you've become a Muslim. Let me first settle with you. He then drew his sword. Uh, uh, Sayyidina Sa'ad bin uh, Abi Waqas proclaiming his iman defiantly also. Drew his sword and they clashed. Sayyidina Sa'd said, Omar, first tend to your own home. Both your sister and brother in law have accepted Islam. Now Omar's rage was beyond bounds. He hastened to his sister's home. The door was closed, but he heard uh, Sayyidina Khabbab uh, anhu, uh, and his sister uh, reciting Quran. Uh, upon hearing Omar's voice, Sayyidina Khabbab uh, concealed himself inside the house. In his haste to hide, he forgot the manuscript on which the Quran was written. When his sister opened the door, Omar, who was holding uh, an object in his hand, struck her with full force on the head uh, until blood gushed forth. He shouted, Enemy of your life, you too have become a renegade. Entering the house, he interrogated her. What were you doing? What were you reading? Uh, 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 Khabab, emerging from uh, uh, concealment, said that they were engaged in conversation. Omar said, you have renegated from your religion and adopted another religion. Uh, Khabab, anh, who said, if that religion is true, then what's wrong? Omar, ferociously attacking him, dropped him to the ground and mercilessly assaulted him. Uh, when uh, his sister intervened in a bid to shield him, uh, Omar struck her on the mouth with the stone drawing blood in profusion. After all, she was of the same metal of, as Omar Anhu, and thus said, Are you assaulting us because we have accepted Islam? Most certainly we have embraced Islam. Do whatever you can. Uh, uh, Omar Anhu, at this point, because he roughed up his sister really badly uh, and he had a moment of remorse. Uh, that uh, that he overreacted and he made his sister bleed. And uh, because of that moment of pause, his gaze uh, fell upon the manuscript of the Qur'an that they were reading from. And uh, he said, show me what's written on it. His sister said, you're impure and an impure person is not allowed to touch it. Although he demanded to handle the manuscript, his sister was adamant in her refusal she constrained him to take ghusl. After having purified himself, he took the manuscript in his hands. By the way, this is a proof also that uh, people think that Islam is this kind of like fiqh optional thing, that what's in your heart is what's important. Even at such a critical juncture, uh, when it's like quote-unquote dawah, mashallah, America, like the cult, uh, you know, not just America. I think it's uh, uh, it's kind of a modernist Tendency that people have, especially, uh, you know, certain Islamo-political groups, uh, they've ingrained in people that it's just a cult of da'wah that, you know, fiqh becomes optional, you know, because it's bad for da'wah or it's good for da'wah or whatever. Somehow da'wah is is, is like a, this trump card that kind of negates our basic aqaid and our, our basic uh, sacred law. Whereas the sister of Sayyidina Umar radiallahu ta'ala, very early, imagine only 40 other men had accepted Islam and 11 women. Um, but even then, uh, the ahkam and the Sharia were not only taught to the people, but uh, they were held uh, religiously by them. And there was khayr in it. Uh, and so she insisted that he go and take ghusl, so he did. And uh, um, then he was given a, 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 a manuscript. In which the surah Taha, which was just recited yesterday in our local masjid in Tarawih, uh, that he, he, he recited Taha ma anzalna al-Qur'an al-Tashqa, and he read to the, the ayah, inni ana Allah la ilaha illa ana, Fa'budni waqim al-salat alidhikri. that verily I am Allah, and there is no God except for me. Therefore worship me and establish the prayer for my remembrance. And this ayah pierced his heart, and his whole being was transformed. He then asked to be taken to the Prophet wasallam. Khabab uh, exclaimed, O oh Umar, uh, yesterday I heard the Messenger of Allah وسلم, uh, make dua that Allah guide one of the two Umars. It appears that Rasulullah sallam's dua has been ex- accepted in your favor. And uh, Umar was a nephew uh, of... Abu Jahl. Obviously, they're all the same tribe. They're all Qurayshans, so they're related with one another, but of very close, uh, not only lineage, but uh, also uh, uh, just personal, personal like congeniality. Who's was very close to his uncle, uh, uh, Amr bin Hisham. And so, one of the two Umars is either Amr ibn Khattab or Amr bin Hisham. Amr bin Hisham, of course, is known by a, a, a much more well known uh, uh, kunya, Abu Jahl. And Abu Jahl was Abu Jahl there's some difference as to who gave him the, the 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 this title but he it's not like there was a guy named Abu Jahl in Jahiliyyah, they actually used to call him Abu hakam the uh, patron of wisdom but when the deen came down on the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam because of his jealousy and his obstinacy he attacked it as if it's uh, as if it's completely horrible and there's nothing good in it and his jealousy was what that how is it that the yatim of Banu Hashim, Billah, the orphan of Banu Hashim, the Prophet ﷺ, um, even though I'm smarter than him and I'm more wealthy than him and I'm this and I'm a better businessman and I'm a better trader and I have a higher status in Quraysh and whatever, how come he's being known for good character? I'm the one who should have good character. And so he fought tooth and nail and uh, he, he didn't give any, he didn't give any credence to the Prophet ﷺ as a human being or Islam as a moral teaching that there's any good in it. And uh, this is something really important to understand. The people from the Quraysh that died in Kufr, they were those, illa Allāh, with very few exceptions, majority of them were those who just mocked and jeered the deen and didn't even, they weren't even fair. Like, one thing is like, you're not going to accept it, but you're like, okay, at least it's good that they command to speak the truth or be good to your parents or whatever. Then there were those who just made a complete mockery out of it and just treated the Prophet sallam, badly, no matter how he treated them. And uh, Abu Jahl was definitely one of the big ones from amongst them. And uh, because of his influence on his nephew, Sayyidina Umar, عنه, Sayyidina Umar was also disposed toward this. And he wasn't close to the Prophet ﷺ in jahiliyyah. So he had no idea, you know, who the Prophet ﷺ was in that sense, as just as a human being, that he wasn't the kind of person who would just make up stuff to cause problems. And so uh, what happens is that... Uh, uh, the rasul sallallahu alaihi made dua for one of the two umars that either abu jahal because of his good character in jahiliya or his nephew who's close to him umar ibn khattab radiallahu that at least ya allah one of them who are both uh, outright and avowed enemies to this message bring one of them at least to uh, iman and uh, khabbab radiallahu seems to have uh, uh, remarked that that, that it, it looks like Rasool, dua, uh sallallahu dua came down in your favor Sayyidina Umar then presented himself to the most honored Nabi sallallahu alayhi wasallam. And it said that uh, uh, Sayyidina Hamza was there at the door, and the people in the house were afraid that it's Umar ibn al-Khattab. And uh, Sayyidina Hamza was unfazed. He said, Let him in. If he wants something good, we'll give him something good. And if you want something bad, we'll give him something bad. Radiallahu Alaihi Allah Ta'ala raised their rank, all of them ajma'een. Uh, he presented himself and embraced Islam uh, in the morning of that Friday. Uh, Abdullah bin Mas'ud radiallahu anhu would say that Omar radiallahu anhu's acceptance of Islam was a victory for the Muslims, and his migration was an aid for the Muslims, and his khilafah was a mercy for the Muslims. Um, and it's also said that since the day Umar Ibn Al-Khattab radiAllahu Anhu accepted Islam, nobody was able to uh, humiliate the Muslims uh, thereafter again. Yes, the Muslims had up and down ups and downs, and they did go through difficulties. But this type of abject humiliation and stark mockery that used to be made of um, the Prophet sallAllahu at the hands of the mushrikeen of Quraysh, that 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 type of thing basically had to end because they knew that you know, if they crossed a certain boundary, um, then Omar رضي anhu they're going to have to contend with him and it was something that none of them uh, was eager to, to deal with. Allah Ta'ala uh, give us tawfiq. Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala make us of those even in our Anger and our rage. I mean look at it, look at the end of look at the end of his life, look at the beginning. At the end of his life, how soft Sayyidina Umar anhum had become, how soft his heart had become, how soft his disposition and his demeanor had become, and look at where he started. All of this is the barakah of the company of the Messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wa And we'll hear more anecdotes and tales about the softness in his um, in his disposition. I don't want you to be from those who uh, wrongfully characterize Sayyidina Umar عنه, as being just a person who walks around like heartlessly cruel and callous, and like, okay, what he's doing is right, and so it's good that someone's doing it, but it's completely merciless. Rather, if you look at the uh, seerah of the later part of his life, he was an extremely soft-hearted person, extremely soft-hearted, completely transformed from one thing to the other, through the barakah of the suhbah and the companionship of the Messenger of Allah wasallam who uh, turned uh, stones and into rubies and emeralds, uh, and who turned lead into gold. He used the Kabrit Ahmar al-Lata sent as a mercy, the alchemist stone, uh, by which uh, those things which would have been cast aside as useless and worthless, um, their, true, their true worth uh, was realized and actualized and exceeded. Allah Ta'ala give us a transformation for what's better and Allah ta'ala give us from the uh, strength and the dignity and the mercy that Allah Ta'ala gave uh, to this ummah through him uh, as the mashaykh uh, as the mashaykh all of them Allah made them the conduit of his mercy and his fall and his faith Allah give from 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 what he sent down through Sayyidina Umar anhu. Allah make us mutawadeen, humble people that look at ourselves as servants not as uh, you know, jackals and hyenas coveting leadership. Allah Ta'ala, give us resolve and firmness and strength at the time that other people waver. Allah Ta'ala, give us clarity at a time when other people cannot see. Allah Ta'ala, give us that we pass from this world in a way that He's pleased with and that we're pleased with Him as well. على وَالسَّلَامُ عَلَيْكُمْ ورحمة اللَّهِ بَرَكَاتُهُمْ